Hey, welcome everyone to the Zoe Church Podcast. We're a church in Los Angeles, California called Zoe, the Greek word for abundant life and the abundant life that can only be found in Jesus. We're going to jump in in just a moment to the first installment of a brand new series that we're in called Messy, trying to bring comfort and clarity to relationships that can be chaotic or confusing. We're going to go to the scriptures to learn how Jesus teaches us how to handle relationships. So we're going to jump in in just a moment, but thank you to everyone that subscribes, comments, likes, and shares our podcast. And thank you to everyone that calls our church home. Continue to partner with us as we do our best to make a difference in the earth. But come on, let's jump in to week one of Messy. John 15, 12. My command, this is Jesus. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you, NBD. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This sounds like my conversation with my children. You can sleep in my house if you do what I command. It's funnier than your reaction, but that's fine. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is my command. I love what God said. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I first chose you. I loved you. And I chose you not to just serve me. I chose friendship. I don't call you just a servant of the kingdom of God. I call you my friend. I don't know if you realize, you know, in the city of Los Angeles, there are a ton of name drops going on. Super Bowl weekend, my, you ever just have to be like, oh, sorry, let me just pick up that name you dropped. <laughs> you have it back. Like, if you ever, like, in a social setting, you're, like, feeling the urge or the need to drop a name of who you know, you could just drop the name God. Like, I'm friends with God. Jesus calls me a friend. Years ago, this is one of my favorite stories, I was having coffee with somebody who's got a bunch of tattoos, and I always love to hear the genesis, the origin stories of tattoos. And he had this big one on his forearm that was like this Chinese-type writing, another kind of almost matching one on the left forearm. And I was like, bro, these tattoos are fire. Like, what are these things? These are amazing. What are those guys? Like, I love Dragon Ball. What is this stuff? I'm like, what is that? He's like, oh, this one, this one here, this one is friend friend in. I forget which language. It's like, oh man, amazing. He's like, yeah, and this one over here, God. It's God right here. I was like, dang, wow. He's like, yeah, I got friend here, God here. I got of on my chest, friend of God. And I was like, (laughs) he's like, ah, kid, I don't have the of. I was like, thank you. Thank God that you do not get the of. But I like what he was saying. He was reminding himself that I'm a friend of God. I don't know if you realize this, but when you come to God, you don't have to sound eloquent 
and all scripture-filled and laden with an English-British accent. You can talk to God like a friend because he chose friendship. He said, you're my friend. I love you. I'm for you. And because I have friendship with you, I'm going to teach you how to have friendship with others. I want to preach the first installment right down the title. It's called Cleaning Up My Mess. Cleaning up, in this, in this series, Messy, we're going to learn how to go relationships that maybe are complicated or its dynamics are messy or it's hard to explain. Let's go clean up our mess. Oh, it's my favorite when we get ready to clean stuff at the house and, you know, we, get, we, we always choose like a three-song limit. This is a, parents, this is a good rule of thumb. Your, your kids have maybe three songs in them, okay? So we choose three songs. We're going to play these songs loud, and we're going to clean and get as much done within three songs. So now the oldest boy, the oldest, the eight-year-old, he's good, man. This guy's responsible. He could go five songs if we wanted to, but it's the little ones that really struggle. So we give the eight-year-old, the oldest boy, tons of responsibility, and the younger ones, the four and the six, we just send them to the room to see what they could do. Now in their room, there's clothes, there's toys, there's books, there's just, there's cups from all the milk. Listen, no one is more concerned about hydration than kids at night. They're the most concerned people about hydration in the world. So they, they got cups in there, they got the books. So we just close their door. And then after three songs, we see what's been done. Nothing's been done. Nothing's been done. Three songs, nothing's been done. It doesn't matter the songs, it does, nothing's been done. Because, because they don't know how to clean up their mess. Some of us are like, I'd love to make sense of my dynamic with my dad. Love to make sense of my dynamic in this friendship. But I don't know how to clean up my mess. Let's go to God to learn how to clean up our messes. Because watch this. Watch what Proverbs says. This is the promise to your future. It says Proverbs 14, verse 4. Where there are no oxen, the trough is clean. So just a heads up. The Bible's saying, remember that old rap song? Diddy, more money, more problems. We can argue that in Scripture. That's fine. But the Bible's actually saying more people more problems. So the bigger your life gets, the more messy it gets. The more friendship you have. You get involved in community. You get involved in church. You lead or you attend a connect group. The more people you have in your life, the more messes you have in your future. So we got to understand, we don't want a clean trough. We don't want just to have a clean... Listen, if you don't ever want messes, don't ever have friends. Because being involved in relationship means there's offense, there's hurt, there's dynamics, there's problems, there's changes, there's transitions. And so we don't want to stay away from the mess. We want to learn how to clean up the mess. Come on, clap today if you're thankful that God, by his wisdom and spirit, is going to teach us how to clean up our mess. Because some of us have to acknowledge it's not always them that made the mess. Sometimes it's our doing. Sometimes it's our problem. Sometimes it's our negligence. Sometimes it's our attitude. And so we've got to clean up the mess. Let me just teach you three things today on how to clean up your mess. Write down number one. The most important relationship you have is your relationship with God. All of this flows here. It does not start with people. People are not the problem. In fact, I'd argue that you and I are the problem. It's not them. It's not. Listen, the common denominator in all of our relationships is us. So a lot of times I can't shift blame and say, look at them, they're the problem. I got to look in the mirror and go, what's wrong with me? 
And the best relationship I've got going is my relationship with God. If I get a healthy, dynamic, intimate, even hot relationship with God, it will infuse my relationship with others. So watch what, watch what God says about you, Jeremiah 31. He says, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you in. I want to just teach you today, the cleanest relationship you will ever have is your relationship with God. How could you not be friends with a guy that's always there? How could you not be the one that always accepts you? How could you not be close to the one that's like, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to favor you, I'm going to help you, I'm going to heal you, I'm going to be merciful. Come on, clap a little bit louder if you're grateful for your relationship with God. In fact, it has been said that the most important thought that you will ever have in the history of your life is the first thought that comes to mind when you think of God. And if you think of God as friend, if you think of God as loyal, if you think of God as compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love, if you think of God as benevolent, if you think of God as gracious, if you think of God as the one that has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, if you think of God as your refuge and your shield, if you think of God as your provider, if you think of God as the one who saved you from eternal shame, you'll do well. The most important thought you have in the history of your life is the first thought that comes to your mind when you think about your friend named Jesus. Years ago, one of my favorite songwriters, named is Martin Smith. He used to lead a, a band called Delirious. It's like our Christian YouTube wrote this beautiful song, Key of D. Um, he wrote this beautiful song called, What a Friend I've Found. What a friend I found in Jesus. And I know you've, you've, you've probably got a ton of friends. You've probably got so many acquaintances. I'm sure you've got tons of relationships, but you have no greater friend than Jesus. You have no one that knows you. Think about God. He knows everything about you, and yet still he loves you. He has been there in the worst of times and elevated you to the best of times, and he still loves you unconditionally. Anybody grateful for your friendship with Jesus? It's the most important relationship you have. Just one, one more scripture. Look here. Watch Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. This is from the last book of the Bible. And this is Jesus talking to a church. This is, this is Jesus talking to a church that's on mission trips to Costa Rica, Guatemala, and Costa Rica and Puerto Rico. And like, sorry, those are our mission trip places. I just love saying it like that. Um, but he, they're on mission. They do, I love my city. They do all these cares. But watch what he says. I have this against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Your love for me has grown cold. I, it, just, it just happens this way. When I lose my relationship here, I lose my relationship here. 
It's crazy how this relationship affects all these relationships. So the most important relationship I have is my relationship with God. Because if I have a love for God, he teaches me how to have a love for others. If my arrows of my heart go vertical, he will bend them to go horizontal. So the most important relationship you have in your whole life, the one you should steward the most, the one that you should prioritize the most, the one that you should be excited about the most, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, clap together if you're excited about having a re... Come on, this is not about religion. This is all about friendship with God. So what do you do with your friends? You spend time with your friends. What do you do with your friends? You talk to your friends. What do you do with your friends? You dump on them. Like you just complain to them. That just, just let them know all the bad. That's what you do with God because you're in relationship with God. The second most, this is the first most important relationship. The second most important decision that you will ever make, write down number two, is the decision of the kind of friend you will be to others. So the first is, I have a relationship with God. And the second is not, what kind of friends am I looking for? I need to find the right friends out there. I got to have the right, no, no, no. It's not, that's not the decision. It is, what kind of friend will I be? Because the Bible says, he who desires friends, must he himself first be friendly. So listen, you are what you attract. If I want great friends, I've got to be a great friend. So I'll just give you a few things because this is the second most important decision. I'll give you a few things to write down that you need to be this kind of friend to people. Write down the first one. You need to be an encouraging friend. I haven't met anybody in the last two years that's like, you know, the hardest thing for me in the last two years in the pandemic, hardest thing for me is I was just way too encouraged. I just struggled because I was just like always up and just always encouraged and always feeling great about life. No, all of our friends are discouraged. All of our friends are dismayed. Some of our friends are depressed. And they need someone to come into their life and lift their head and encourage them. Oh, I love this scripture. Look at Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging each other. Oh, I pray. Don't look for the friend that's going to go encourage you. Be the friend that's going to encourage somebody else. Send the text message. Send the gift card. Go show up at somebody's house. Be the friend that's a breath of fresh air. Be, be the friend that shows up and puts a smile on somebody's face. Don't try and look who's going to encourage encourage me. Look for people that need encouragement. Oh, write down the second one. I love this one. Be honest. Honesty. What's the best, best policy? Honesty. You know you got a good friend when your friend's like, hey, hey, hey. And you know your friend's not that bright when they're like, what, huh, what, what? Like, I got to say it three times, you're not that sharp. Just don't, don't explain yourself. You're not that sharp. Like, if you got a friend that just walks up just like, hey, here's a piece of gum. Don't, ever, don't, don't be like, oh, does my breath stink? Yes, it does. Just, just thank them. Just be like, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for having my back. I had four coffees today, and I'll need to explain myself, but thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your honesty. Sometimes we're like, how come people aren't being honest with us? Are you being honest with them? Watch this. Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are, you know you got a good friend, but like, hey, no, uh-uh. Hey, whoa, hold on, you're dating who? Who? No, no, he doesn't have a job, he doesn't have a hygiene, and he doesn't even know Jesus. Out. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Psalm 55 echoes these same words. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. What's the Bible saying? Do not conceal in your heart and do not hide things that need to come out of your mouth. If you want to be a good friend, be an honest friend. Be upright. Be transparent. Be vulnerable. Take a risk. Let someone know what you really think. And sometimes you got to be the friend that's like, I know you're not asking for my opinion, but I'm your friend. Here's my opinion. Somebody say amen. An honest friend. Here's the next one. A faithful friend. How about a faithful friend? Oh, I love this because we can see the example of faithfulness in Jesus. So because Jesus is faithful to us, he teaches us faithfulness and loyalty to others. Thank God for your faithful friends. Thank God for your loyal friends. You know what we need? We need friendships. We need meaningful commitments. We need to say, where you go, I go. Your people are going to be my people. Wherever you're at, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be a faithful friend. Oh, I love this scripture. Look at this one. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You do not know who's with you when you're in the mountaintop of success. You do not know who's with you when you're doing great. You really find out who's with you when you're in despair, when you are in brokenness, when you got no money and no job and your pets' heads are falling off. That's when you find out who's faithful. Somebody clap and thank God to be a faithful friend. Will you be, will you be found faithful? A brother is born for adversity. Oh, I pray that at Zoe Church, that when, we, when push comes to shove, if you ever get stuck in a ditch, we're going to come and help pull you out. We're not going to leave you. We're not going to abandon you. We're not going to shame you. We're going to come and help and serve and love and be faithful. Why are we faithful to people that are not even faithful to themselves? Because Jesus is faithful to us when we are not faithful to him. He said, when you are faithless, I remain faithful. You need to be a friend to somebody that says, even when you're all messed up, even when you're all out of your mind, even when you're not doing good, I'm still with you no matter what. Oh, clap today if you feel that you want to be that kind of friend. What's the next one? Trustworthy. Trustworthy. Like, are you a trustworthy friend? Like, one of the people we love here at our church is Jasmine. Jasmine's right here with a calm on. Stand up, Jasmine. Jasmine is uh, one of the best people in the whole church. Just turn and wave at the church. Let them know. Just say hello. Jasmine, I'm saying, make her to do that. She's single. If you, again, if you have a 401k, if you're the 401k Frank, like Julia preached about last week, Jasmine is a woman of God. But Jasmine, one of the things Julia and I brag about Jasmine all the time is she's trustworthy. Like she's like, you ever have a friend that if you tell them something, you just immediately know what's going to five other people? It's like the moment it hits their ears, you just know they just can't wait. to. It's like they just cannot wait to tell other people private information. 
You know you got a bad friend when they're like, hey, listen, now, I haven't told anybody else this. You're the first person. You're the first. I haven't told anybody else this. You're the first person. That's translation code for only five other people know this, but give me five more days. 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 No, 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 no. You need to become trustworthy. You want friends that you can trust. You want friends that you can let your guard down and say, I'm not doing good. I'm in a tough place. We're going through a hard time. Our, our, my ki- one of my kids is not doing good. My marriage is not doing good. My, my mental health is not in a good place. I need friends I can trust. Look at look what the Bible teaches us about being trustworthy. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Can you keep a secret? Can you hold private information? Are you good at being a vault? Can things come to you and stay with you? Because if you want that kind of friend, you got to be that kind of friend. You got to become trustworthy. Be a trusted, trust is that thing. It takes years to build, but it's seconds to lose it. No, build trust and keep building trust and be a person that says, I don't just look for trustworthy people. I want to become a trustworthy person. Let me give you one more thing to write down. How about an accepting friend? The reason why we love Jesus is because he accepts us. He accepts the woman at the well. He accepts the woman caught in adultery. He he accepts the blind Bartimaeus. He he accepts the man lowered through the roof. He accepts the boy with some fish and bread. He he just goes around and accepts people. And he accepted you the way you are. You know you're a good friend when you accept people where they are. Listen, you can't change people. You can love people, but you can't change people. Accept them. Every person has weaknesses and strengths. Every person has things they're bad at and things that they're good at. And you can be a good friend to say, I recognize your weaknesses and I recognize your strengths, but I accept you for who you are. If you start being accepting to others, maybe other people will start being accepting to you. You'll be like, well, how do you know that's biblical? Jesus said the same measure you use to judge others is the same measure that's coming back to you. So you better be careful being harsh and critical of others because that's the measure that's coming back to you. I'd rather be known as a friend that's accepting, a friend that's trustworthy, a friend that's honest, a friend that's faithful, and a friend that's encouraging. Come on, clap today if you want to be that kind of friend. That is the model of the friendship we see with Jesus. That is who we see in our Christ alone. Worship team, come join me. Here's the third most important decision. The third most important decision that you will ever make is relational awareness. So the first is your relationship with God. The second most important is the friend you will be. Don't look today and go like, yeah, I've got to change my circle, man. I've got some rotten eggs in this bunch. Snakes in the grass, snakes in the grass. I'm looking around thinking about them. They got they got to go. Well, they got to go. How about we look at the mirror and go, have I been honest? Have I been trustworthy? Have I accepted people in their journey? You know, life is so long. You got to give room people to grow. You got to let people change and evolve. I know we live in this culture that needs a dose of self-awareness. And trust me, we all need more self-awareness. We all need a little bit more like, did I come off okay? Did I, is that okay? Did I, I'm all for self-awareness, but can I just challenge you? Maybe you need relational awareness. What's the dynamic of this relationship? 
Can I just take a step back and look and go, well, it's messy because, yeah, I can see where I have a part to play in that. And so how do I clean up? How do I have awareness? And through the power of the Holy Spirit, how do I bring clarity? I think a lot of times you're like, God, this thing's messy. Come and clean it up. God's like, yes, on the way. I'm just going to take over your, your mouth and your brain and your eyes and your body and your hands and your feet. Is that okay? No, it's not okay. Use somebody else. God's like, no, I'm going to use you. You can come in. And through relational awareness, you can make sense of this thing. I just think if you go through the scriptures and you talk to a lot of people in the Bible about their relationships, it's messy throughout the scriptures. Like, if we got a chance today to come and have Jacob sit down, we're like, Jacob, tell me about your relationship with your father-in-law, Laban. How'd that thing go? Woo! That thing's messy, man. I stayed there way too long. It expired. I know it was crazy. I messed with his cattle. I lied to him. You know, that was my wife's issue, but it's messy. Yeah, yeah, Jacob. What about Esau? How was that relationship? Your brother. Whoa, that one's a mess. Uh, yeah, I stole his birthright. I, I got that chili thing, you know, taken from him. And then I went into my dad and I put hair on my arms and I was like, dad, it's, it's Esau, but I lied to him. I'm a deceiver. It's my name. It's just messy. You sat down, Samson, you're like, Samson, what were you thinking? How did you sleep with this lady, Delilah? Ah, man, it's just hard to explain. We used to do these Sunday night family dinners and the wine was flowing and we used to fly in their jet to the Super Bowl and I love this girl and it's just hard to explain. It's complicated. Moses, Moses, what's wrong with you? These people hated you. These people were the cause of why you didn't go to the promised land. These people were the one that you were always fed up with. Why did you step up? Why did you ask God to spare them? Why did you stand in the middle? You should have gotten rid of this congregation. He's like, ah, it's just hard to explain. Just messy. And I don't know why, just it's, it's, it's a relationship. It's, I couldn't sever the tie. I couldn't break life. I couldn't just abandon. I couldn't just jump ship. I had to be there. I think sometimes we need to be aware that life is full of transitions and life is full of change. And no one walks up to you ever and just says, hey, transition is here. Hey, things are going to change now. Hey, things are going to be different. Just this last week, I got an email from one of our ZLC students. She, she used to be in ZLC, and she emailed me, and she's like, hey, Pastor Chad and Julia, I love Zoe Church. I love L.A. Been here for five years. I just want to say I had the best time at your church, and my time in L.A. is done. I'm transitioning. I'm moving. I'm going out to this place, and I just want to honor you and thank Thank God for your leadership. Thank God for everything I learned at Zoe Church and just sent the email. So I was showing another staff. I was like, look at what one of our ZLC kids sent to me. And they were like, wow, do you get that a lot? I said, bro, I've gotten like five emails like this in my lifetime. Most of them are like, hey, where'd, where'd so-and-so go? Hey, where, whatever happened to them? Because it's rare for people to walk up to you and go, hey, I'm changing friend circles. Hey, I'm leaving the community. Hey, I'm transitioning to another place. Hey, I'm going to go through this change. And can I just, if you want lifelong relationships, you got to give lifelong space. Just give space for people to grow, space for people to change, space for people to evolve, space for people to come into their own. Some of us, we fall in love with the person we met. 
but people aren't even the same person from a year ago, let alone six months ago. I wonder if you can get some relational intelligence. Let's have a coffee with somebody this last week, and he's in our church, he's a brilliant guy, and he was telling me about this idea for a book he wants to write. He said, I think I'm going to write my first book. I said, wow, should. This guy's brilliant. I'm like, what do you want to write on? He's got the, he goes, I got this idea. I've been sitting on this word situationship. And I want to write about relationships, that they are all a situationship. I said, that is the greatest line I've ever heard. I will give you full credit, but I will use that forever. Maybe you're in a situationship today. Maybe it's a mess. Could God use you to bring restoration? Could God bring you, use you to bring reconciliation and restoration at the same time? In the Bible, there's this group of ministers, Paul and Barnabas. They're preachers of the gospel. They're men of God. And the Bible says they get into such sharp disagreement that they go their separate ways. Just because you love Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to fight. Just because you love Jesus doesn't mean you won't have disagreements. But you know, in the end, Paul circles back. And the person that they fought over, he actually says, I was wrong. They're useful to me. I need them in in, in my life. Life is long. Life is long. Nothing reflects your relationship with God like your relationship with others. I pray that you don't just become a peacemaker, but I pray that you become faithful and you become honest and you become encouraging and you become trustworthy. Come on, clap today. If you feel like you, God, help me to be that friend. Why don't you stand to your feet? Father, we thank you today.